probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me this week is... Zachary T. Owen, author of small press horror, including a new book out now called Doomsayer, available on Amazon.com. Awesome. Thanks for coming back, man. We, um, uh, no problem. Long-time listeners will remember Zach was our very, very first guest back on week one for minutes one through five. And yes, yeah, since you were nice enough to do that and, and, you know, take that leap and do in this crazy thing I'm doing. And I figured it, uh, you know, be worth having you back to, uh, finish the movie off. See the, the last actual, uh, you know, live action scenes in the movie before the credits start. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I have some thoughts on these. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's certainly like, you know, it's an infamous ending. I think the ending is a big part of what makes this movie you know, a, a cult movie and makes makes it one of the more interesting movies in John Carpenter's uh, filmographies. So today we're talking about minute 101 of The Thing, which begins with Child saying, did you kill it? And ends a minute later with uh, Child's raising his eyebrows. So yeah, so this minute is really, uh, the last minute in, in minute 100 is when they first kind of found each other, but this is where they kind of get to the meat of their conversation on, you know, figuring out what they're going to do. Right. Um and uh, yeah, first first note I had is just I didn't re- I never really noticed how loud the fire is all around them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crackling pretty hard. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really going there, which you know I guess is appropriate. Like it's kind of interesting because I'm wondering. We talked about this in the last minute, I think that I'm not sure where they are, where they're like in a building, but it's not actively on fire. Um, I'm guessing maybe Blair's shack since they blew it up earlier. Maybe that fire's That's already kind of gone down. I- I never really put too much thought into where they were located, but I don't know if that would offer any kind of, uh, in some kind of abstract way, some kind of clue as to what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah, this is interesting. As I was thinking about it, like with the fire being so loud, it's like, man, where are these guys that they're not like on fire? <laughs> I always just kind of assumed that uh, at this point they thought, well, we're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. And, I, you know, I kind of assumed that it wasn't necessarily impossible that they were out of danger of this fire, but it, it was only a matter of time before they die anyway. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about that. I always think about them, obviously, you know, freezing to death after the fire goes right. down. But yeah, maybe, maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe they're, you know, well, it's one of those things somebody mentioned earlier, too, that like, when people get hypothermia in real life, that at some point, there's this weird kind of... um I don't know what you call it, but there's a thing where people end up getting, they feel really warm right before death. Right. And so a lot of times when people die of hypothermia, they're found like with all their clothes off because they get really hot and they take all their clothes off. So maybe they're like, they're going to get so close to the fire that they'll accidentally light themselves on fire, Fuchs style. (laughs) Yes, that's the way to go out. (laughs) But yeah, so the, the, basically the conversation that they have here is it starts with um, Childs asking Mac if he killed it. And uh, Mac doesn't really answer. 
he uh, he just kind of immediately moves on to questioning Childs. Um, he uh, you know which Im- immediately starts the whole paranoia thing back up again already. Right. Even though we you know presumably the monster's dead that or that we thought it was dead. So he asks you know where were you, Childs? Which seems to be like the recurring question in this movie about every character. Like, <laughs> you know, we yeah. get the, and Windows, where were you? And they get all, you know, all that. Every time somebody disappears for five seconds, they instantly become under suspicion for the rest of the movie. So, yeah, so Child's explanation. So earlier in the movie, we, you know, Nala saw Child uh, run across the, the snow during the blizzard and abandon his post where he's supposed to be guarding the door. And so after that point, we have no idea what happened to him. You kind of almost forget about him in the whole life. And he doesn't really clue us in on that either from what I remember. Oh, what do you mean? I mean, I, I don't – I mean, I haven't um, reviewed the other scenes yet, but I don't recall Childs really painting any kind of picture of what he was doing. Yeah, Nothing I mean, concrete. all he says here is that he thought he saw Blair and he went out after him. Yeah, which is, which it, is kind not, of vague. Yeah, best. exactly. Well, right, like he, you know, he says he went out after him, uh, and then he got lost in the storm. But he doesn't really say like what, like exactly what he saw. Like, it, was Blair like still human, or was he like half creature already, or like, you know, what was his plan? What was he trying to do? Did he, you know, did he say anything? Did he try to talk to him? Right. Well, and the other thing too is like, you know, that shack where uh, Mac and, uh, Nalls and Gary all were when they were looking for Blair up there is not that far from where Childs was. Like he very easily, as he was running out, could have been like, Hey guys, I saw Blair. Like, you want to come with me? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there's still, you know, it's, it's a decent explanation, but it definitely doesn't, it's not like a airtight kind of thing that, that definitely lets him off the hook. You know, it explains why he ran out, but not anything else. I think in a, in a different film, it would be, Probably a substantial enough answer, but in the thing, we need more information <laughs> because, uh, you know, everyone's under suspicion. Yeah, this is definitely a movie where, like, you know, you got to check your facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's not, you know, it explains what was going on, but not everything. And I never noticed um, that in the background there, while he's finishing up talking about that, that Mac is already kind of laughing at that. Like, like yeah. maybe he doesn't, he already doesn't believe it <laughs> or, or doesn't care. I'm not sure. Which I think uh, we touched upon this a little when I was first on. To me, that's almost a summary of his character. Uh, I mean, he obviously, he does care to some extent, but he's almost like above all this, like he's so distrustful. And right from the start, he's kind of cynical, I think, compared to them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's definitely... Him and Childs are an interesting pair, too, which is uh, one of the reasons I like it, you know, ending up with just the two of them is that they're kind of, I don't know, they're kind of opposite sides of the same coin in a, not, not, not in like a, you know, Mac is the hero and Childs is the villain kind of thing, but more like they're both kind of like trying to be these like anti-heroes almost. And Childs is maybe the little bit more um, aggressive of the two. And Mac is maybe a little bit more kind of, he thinks through what he's doing, you know, the, the chess right. player. But yeah, they're, but they're very similar in in a lot of ways too, which makes it kind of interesting that the two of them end up together. And they have kind of an antagonistic relationship through a lot of the movie too. Um, even though you know, Child seems to take orders from Mac, which is in in a couple scenes, which is kind of funny, given that they're supposed you know, it, it's it's a mechanic and a helicopter pilot, so I don't know where like rankings fall there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but yeah, they definitely kind of uh, are at. at you know, at odds in a couple scenes, particularly when Mac comes back and they all suspect him and he's got the dynamite and all that. 
Childs is kind of leading the charge to take him out. Before I forget, and I don't know at what point in the movie this would have been, but I think one of my favorite lines from Childs, it's something like, Blair, do you believe this voodoo bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> I think about that line a lot. Voodoo bullshit is an excellent line. Yes, it's one of my favorites too. <laughs> yeah, somebody brought up that it seems like every to Childs, everything is, is bullshit in one way or another. <laughs> yeah. he, he says it a lot. <laughs> but yeah, the voodoo bullshit is the best because... Yeah, he just keeps talking about how how dumb the, the the UFO theory is and everything. And then, yeah, to ask Blair that is makes it even funnier to me. <laughs> yeah, so so he explains, and Mac is already kind of laughing about it. And then um, Childs kind of just ignores it and continues and says that the fires have got the temperatures up all over the camp, but it won't last long. So, you know, obviously that's another... Yeah, I, I, I talked about it a couple weeks ago that um, the... I looked into it a little bit, and with the temperature that they say, I think he says it's going to be a hundred below um, yeah. earlier when it, when the generator when they find the generator blown up, and uh, without any kind of external heat source, a human being will die in about three minutes in that that temperature. Yeah, I was just thinking that's so severe. I can't imagine how. Yeah, I mean, like anybody could possibly fend off against that kind of cold. Yeah, and I imagine that's not even taking into account like the wind chill kind of factor. Right, <laughs> like they're in a blizzard too. So <laughs> might as well be dead in thirty seconds. Right, exactly. Like, I, I that's it's kind of unreal to even think about how cold that must be. Like, like I think the coldest temperature I've ever been in is probably pretty close to zero, and right. with maybe like a negative wind chill. But I've yeah, I, it's like unfathomable to think about. I've been in below. some uh, negative weather, but you know, not negative one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's pretty rare um, yeah. <laughs> in the continental I, US. I would, I would hope. <laughs> but um, yeah, so obviously they're they're you know they're not going to last pretty long. Even with the fires, I imagine it's still pretty damn cold. So right. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So Child says we won't last long, and Max says neither will we. You know, always got to be Mister Clever uh, to the last. But um, so Childs asks him, how will we make it? And Max says, maybe we shouldn't, which is like the, you know, the the topper of all the like downer uh, lines of all of, of this entire movie. <laughs> like, you know, we've had a whole movie where, you know, it feels kind of doomed and, and something's wrong right from the beginning uh, where we talked about, you know, the dog running and being shot at already. You know, you know, something's very deeply wrong and, and things aren't going to go well. Um, and yeah, right up to the end here where, where now we know, like, you know, even the hero of the movie's like, uh, we probably just should die. Like that's probably yeah. the best case scenario. The, uh, the pessimist in me completely agrees. <laughs> um, I mean, if hypothetically, if this were to happen, I don't know. I mean, what other choice would you really have? I can't see. The, I mean, the risk is just too great. And plus even beyond the fact that it would be easy to spread the thing along if a part of it existed in one of these characters. The odds are still against them just with, you know, the, the weather and the fire. And there's it's just so hopeless no matter what angle you take here. Yeah, it's like, you know, best case scenario, both the remaining characters of the movie die, freeze to death. <laughs> yes. You know, w- worst case scenario, one of them is a is a thing and freezes and is found and infects the rest of the planet. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, this is the movie that's like, 
in in John Carpenter's loose, um, I think he calls it the Apocalypse trilogy with Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness. Those movies, you know, one of them has like a definite the the world definitely ends, and in one of them the world the end of the world is averted. And in this movie, it's really you know fifty fifty. You know, you, there's no way to know. So on top of it being, it's not only. You know, I can imagine this was an ending that really, really pissed a lot of people off. Uh, oh, I'm when sure it, came it did. Out. Just and get... I still, I still know people who are pissed off about it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, not every person I've shown the film to, you know, that hasn't been exposed to it, comes away going, "Oh, I really like that." Some people I, I have watched it with are like, "Well, what happens?" And I'm just <laughs> like, "Well, that's not really the point." And they're like, "Don't even, don't go that route." I've heard that before, and it's like, "Well, that's kind of true here." Like. <laughs> it's the ambiguity that really makes it an interesting ending. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, yeah, and it's funny because it's not only an ambiguous ending, which, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, your, your average moviegoers do not like. It's definitely not what they're looking for when they walk into a movie theater. But it's ambiguous, and it's also super depressing. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, like, pessimistic and a- ambiguous. So, it you know, it checks off it's, two of the it's boxes. It's bordering on nihilism, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, I, I know I've I've been to been in movie theaters with um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, no Country for Old Men is a good example of a movie that's yes. got a very like ambiguous, you know, not a very conclusive ending at all. And I remember you know the lights going up in the theater and hearing people just being like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah. um, and that's another ending that I really like too. But I think I don't know what it says about us as viewers that these kind of endings are appealing to us. I mean, I wouldn't want every every film to be like that yeah but uh sometimes i kind of like a little room for uh a little room for interpretation and uh just the idea that not everything's set in stone it almost opens up a world to me when i watch a movie and there there's still like part of the story that we haven't seen and it's it's just fun to think about you know what happens after this and you don't get that with a lot of movies, certainly not a lot of uh, blockbusters or a lot of current movies, I don't think. I mean, maybe this will be a trend that comes back. But it was really strange when uh, Inception came out and everyone considered that an ambiguous ending. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really have to disagree with that. I think that movie was, you know, fairly straightforward. It had kind of an abstract concept, but... Yeah. So you so you think that to to get way off topic here, you think the top was that he was in the real world at the end of Inception? Well, I don't remember the exact details. I haven't seen the movie in so long, but yeah. the top is clearly about to fall over in the scene. And if it was just going to keep spinning, then it wouldn't start to like wiggle, you know. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, that that's a great that's a great ending too cuz it is yeah, it's ambiguous, but there's enough little like visual hints like that, like that it's about maybe about to start toppling right before they cut to black that, you know, you can kind of make, gather your own evidence for your interpretation of it for sure. I guess uh, another <laughs> thing to me that's telling to stray even further is that after people watched that movie and they saw the dark Knight rises, they, they thought, well, maybe this movie is a dream. And I thought, uh, what? <laughs> I wish These that movies movie... aren't in the same universe. <laughs> I wish that movie was a dream. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I don't hate it, but, uh, I could, I could see where you're coming from. I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I don't really understand audience as a whole. And, uh, I wonder how I would have reacted to the thing. Had I been around when the movie was at, would I have, gone against the grain uh or what i've you know 
reacted uh, like other people had when they first saw it. I mean, we have the um, ability to look back on this movie after all this time has mm-hmm. passed, and people have kind of given it another chance. I, I just I don't know how many factors are really at play, but I, I'd like to think that I you know I like the ending because it's it's just a definitively strong ending. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think the other piece of it too is like, you know, like you said, ambiguous endings don't work for every movie. And, you know, it's, oh. I'm glad that that's not how every movie ends, even though as a concept, I, I like the ambiguous ending for the same reason you mentioned that it does kind of leave, leave something open for your imagination or for interpretation. But I think in particular, it works really well in this movie because that ambiguity is exactly what the movie is about in the first place. Right you know, not really knowing who, who your neighbor is or who this person sitting next to you is or what they're really thinking is kind of the whole idea behind the movie. So it makes I sense for it agree. to that way. And it would have been really strange if the movie ended with, okay, well, Childs is the thing, definitely, and he gets killed, or Mac is the thing. And I, I think, you know, that kind of, kind of would have flown in the face of uh, everything that came before. But I wonder, I don't know, I mean, because you've, obviously read the script and done a lot of research was there ever another consideration for an ending there was yeah i'll, I'll save it for tomorrow for the for the last shots because it'll it'll okay. uh, it'll go along with that but yes there was one that no, nobody that only the studio wanted to do um and it's basically never been seen but yeah i'll i'll, I'll save that for tomorrow but yeah um yeah but it's interesting because in uh I'll, i it is i can bring up the script here that um this scene is pretty close to what's in the script, aside yeah. from a few small details. Um, the only kind of major actual like story affecting detail in the script um, for this minute that's different is that um, before uh, before they start before Max says maybe we shouldn't survive, Child suggests that they try to fix the radio, which is kind of interesting a little bit because you know. As it stands in the movie, unless you're like really thinking about it, it doesn't even seem like there's a possibility that they could survive, really. Right. Like you mentioned, I never, like, I never took it that way. Anyway. Yeah. Like there's no really, like, you know, the vehicles are all destroyed. The entire outpost has been blown up. Like, it doesn't really seem like escape is even a possibility, really. Um, but kind of bringing up the radio makes it seem like, you know, Childs maybe thinks that there is a way they could still contact the outside world and get rescued or something. So. I'm kind of glad or if they you're left cynical it out. enough, you you might think, well, he's the thing, and he's trying to find a way to contaminate the rest of humanity. Yeah, yeah, which is that's part of what's brilliant about the way this whole scene is written and, and how it plays out too is that like everything that Child says can be taken as either I'm a human and I'm I want to survive with you and like you know we we made it out of here, or I'm a thing and I want to get out of here and infect the rest of the planet. <laughs> and um, I know we talked about the video game before. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily consider that canon, but in the beginning of the game, you find Child's frozen corpse and uh, Mac isn't there. So the implication, at least in the video game, is that either uh, Mac was the thing or he, you know, survived and died elsewhere and Child's definitely wasn't the thing. And I always thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I think, um, I can't remember if I ever brought this up, but yeah, I, I know that you find Child's frozen body in that game and then apparently... Uh, I read somewhere that if you if you beat the game under certain circumstances, like maybe if you get all the collectibles or whatever, or 100% it, then at the end of the game, um, it's revealed that the helicopter pilot that flies you out is McCready, and he's survived. Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that. I've never beaten the game. I came pretty close, but... 
Yeah, I uh, I haven't played it. I I really want to now. It's I mean it sounds kind of cool and you know it's pretty easy to acquire. Yeah, I just don't, I I guess the main thing is I don't want to have to find my PlayStation Two and hook it up. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping, yeah, I don't I don't blame you there. I'm wishing somebody would put it out on on PS4 or on Steam yeah. or something so I could buy it that way. <laughs> but I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if it eventually did hit yeah. Steam. I think the the game was a bit of a financial failure when it came out, much like the film. Uh, <laughs> but with time, people have grown to appreciate it, and you know I. I see it pop up now and again on forums and things like that. And, you know, even discussions of the movie, I'll sometimes see people actually talk about the video game. Yeah. Well, and it sounded really interesting. It sounded pretty innovative for when it came out with the whole yeah. like. I mean, it's not perfect, but it definitely was a kind of forward thinking as far as video games go. And uh, it had some mechanics that were very unique at the time. Yeah, well, and I want to play it just to hear hear that. You said there's a character that John Carpenter voices, right? <laughs> yeah, and it looks just like, <laughs> just like. That's hilarious. Yeah, so eventually I need to get it. So yeah, uh, Thing Minute listeners, uh, start somebody. Somebody needs to start a petition online to get the game put on Steam so we can all easily access it, and play it. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's interesting because yeah, that game. There's the game, and then there's also uh, Dark Horse put out a couple comic series, and they're wildly different so you know it depends on kind of if you count either of them as canon or or one or the other or neither because yeah i think in the comics i think they both survive in the comics and then um i think maybe childs is infected it's revealed that he's infected i, I can't remember find those i didn't i don't think i was aware of their existence i knew there was a big trouble in little china comic book which i'm kind of intrigued by um which I'm sure – well, I'm going to ask you straight up. Is there a minute-by-minute minute for Big Trouble in Little China? There is. It's, it's, they, did it, uh, they did it five minutes at a time. It's called Five Minutes of Trouble. I think uh, that's probably Carpenter's other film with an ending that's uh, most polarizing where some people really like it and other people are like, well, what happened? Did he die? What happened to him? I'm trying to – it's been a really – it's been a while since I've seen I've only seen it once and it's been a while since I've seen it. How does, uh, I'm trying well, to remember what happens. Kurt Russell's character is on his uh, CB radio, and he's in the truck, mm-hmm. and he he's given his little monologue, and he says, and I say, give me your best shot. I can take it. And then you see the one creature from earlier in the film that was kind of underground, and it was uh, like one of the minions for Lopan. Yeah. And it screams, and it's sitting in the back of his truck, and then it cuts to the credits. Ah, that's awesome. That's a classic, like, 80s movie trick, too, right there. (laughs) (laughs) To have one of the monsters still surviving right there at the end. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you're right about that, too. It it is kind of, that is another kind of ambiguous ending. Because I was trying to think, I think most of uh, Carpenter's movies do have a pretty... Yeah, they're, I think they're... I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess if we think about it, there are more than you might first guess that yeah. are maybe a little ambiguous or at least um, kind of reaching for further uh, implications. But I, you know, I still think a bulk of his material uh, is pretty straightforward. Though I do think the endings typically tend to be pretty great, like in Escape from New York, where Snake uh, rips up that tape and he clearly doesn't. Uh, care too much about what happens to the u.s there's no real stake in it yeah that's true i never really thought about it but john carpenter does have 
some of the best movie endings ever. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a movie. Because <laughs> I think he might be a little cynical if you really look at this. <laughs> yeah, I know. The more I'm thinking about it, I feel like almost all of his movies have that little moment, like like the Big Trouble in Little China one, like uh, Christine, where you know the the car that's been crushed into a cube it now kind of just moves just a little bit. Yeah, um, that's true. And there's how, always a a little room left to be. Uh, worried about what could happen yeah it's like you never you never leave the theater thinking that the the villain is like totally gone (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's pretty awesome i I love a lot of uh i'd say i love the endings of most of his movies for sure yeah i would agree he does a good job of kind of concluding the story in a either a fun or interesting or sometimes they're outright funny like the ending of they live where that guy just says hey what's (laughs) wrong baby and he's an alien (laughs) that's such a fan for a movie that's so that like that's a great one too that that is just like the ending is just so bizarre because the whole movie is so out there and goes you know and it spans from like you know dirty hobos on the street to like you know literally fighting aliens on a spaceship at the end (laughs) and then uh and then yeah to have the the whole thing at the end where they're all revealed and then that be the last shot. Like, I wonder if there were other, <laughs> it's sort of puzzling, but yeah. I love it. <laughs> like, I wonder if there was another, another shot like that, that like that one was there, but that there was another one after it. that was a little more like thematically interesting. And then Carpenter's just like, no, this is too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly possible. I think he does have a sense of humor and people uh, kind of overlook that, but it's, if you really pay attention it's present in a lot of his movies. It's you know it's more obviously present in something like Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, but it does exist. I think at least in part in most of his movies. Um, I did. Speaking of his sense of humor, I did have a note that um, it's funny that every place that you read where somebody interviews John Carpenter, and of course, like the first question they ask him is about who who's the thing at the end of this movie. Um, <laughs> he gives a different answer in every single interview. <laughs> Um, that's great and i really like in um in particular my favorite one there's an interview on outpost31.com which is this amazing fan site for the thing where they have all these all these bits of trivia and and facts and you know stuff like that but um they uh todd cameron who runs the site talked to john carpenter and there's a written transcript of the interview and one of the things he asks, obviously, is, you know, who's who's the thing at the end? And John Carpenter's like, uh, it's Childs. I thought that was incredibly clear when I made the movie. And, <laughs> and then then he asks him another question. And then before he answers that question, he's like, uh, he's like, I was just bullshitting. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, Hello. very in line with his personality. He, he's like that in, in almost everything I've, I've heard him talk in or something. It's pretty, pretty funny. Um, so... Uh, I do so. I guess the the rest of the conversation that plays out, basically, you know, Max says maybe we shouldn't, and Child says if you're worried about me, and then Mac interrupts him and just says uh, if we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in, in much shape to do anything about it. Which, you know, in this in this scene in these two minutes, I think the, both these actors do a great job of playing like incredibly exhausted. Like uh, you definitely get the the sense that they're like yes. you know. It's, it's very evident like that they can hardly move that like even getting up might be like you know too much for them to survive <laughs> um so that you know that makes that's a perfect way to kind of explain away like we're not gonna like you know do the test or duke it out or whatever uh that they just they can't even you know muster up the energy to to try and do anything about what's going on so uh, I'll bring up. I, I've got two of the the big fan theories uh, about about the ending, and one one uh, plays out t- in the minute tomorrow. One plays out today pretty well. So the one for this minute um, 
is the the breath it, theory. Oh yeah, I was waiting for that. I, <laughs> I don't like that one. It always gets on my nerves. I'm not crazy about this one either. So the theory goes that um that uh Mac has a lot of uh you know vapor steam coming out every time he breathes or talks in this scene. It's very like visually obvious that he's like you know blowing hot air out into the cold, and Childs is not that you you know that he doesn't have you know, the, the, the steam coming out when he speaks or breathes. Um, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's a, it's a fun theory, I guess, but this is not one that I really put any I mean, weight it, into. <laughs> it does show that people were really play, paying like very close attention to the movie and I can admire that. But, sure. uh, I don't know. I, I almost wonder if the actors were each just shot in a different setting, you know, and one set was, cold or i don't know if you know any details of that but i don't feel like it was intentional i don't know yeah and kurt russell has said more recently you know uh i think that's bullshit like i I don't really agree with that at all when he heard the theory (laughs) yeah i mean it actually is interesting that I, i don't know how how his kurt russell's breath effect was achieved in this because you know, it's like they use the trick in a lot of places when they're on the set, they had it refrigerated, but it still wasn't cold enough to to do that on its own. So a lot, a lot of times the actors would like drink like a, a cup of coffee right before their scene. And so, you know, they'd have hotter breath, I guess. Um, yeah. But not, in, but that, I think that only lasts for like one or two breaths. And there's a lot of like longer shots on Kurt Russell here where, you know, we see it a lot. So um, my guess is that this actually is outside. But, you know, they're also close enough to the fire that you think it would be kind of at least somewhat, you know, warmed up over there because they're not actually in Antarctica, obviously. Um, they're in British Columbia, which is still cold, I'm sure, but, you know, not 100 below. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to, to know how they did this or if they shot all of this outside or or if any of it is somehow on a set or, or you know, shot somewhere in L.A. at night. But, yeah, it's... I, and and plus, I think you could see Childs does have some kind of steamy breath. It's just not yeah, as like it's not as evident. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Macready's is like very pronounced, um, and Childs is not. So, well, yeah. it wasn't there more. I don't know if this is a separate theory, but something about one of them's drinking like gas or something. Yeah, so that's the People one that, that, that plays out tomorrow. Okay, well, then um, we'll get back to that one. But. Yeah. The, the I only, think that's the one that I like even less. <laughs> <laughs> the only other theory, uh, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that that, um, that is pretty interesting. And it's either a very odd um, continuity error or, or a pretty interesting bit of uh, evidence that um, when when there's like a shot uh, right after child, or right before you see Childs run out into the blizzard earlier, there's a shot of the room he was standing in and it's empty with the door open. And... Uh, there's a jacket missing, which uh, from from the shot earlier, and it's a jacket that's exactly like the one Childs was wearing earlier. So there's a theory that um, that basically, as Childs was standing there, Blair came up from the basement uh, and uh, took over Childs, and in doing so, tore through his clothes. And so to to make it appear like nothing had happened, he had to put on the other identical coat that was hanging on the wall, which is the same one he's wearing here in the end scene. Yeah, well, I, that one. Sounds like it has a little bit more uh, to it than uh, these other two. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I agree with it or not, but I think it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. And uh, it holds up a little better, I think, under inspection. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, just 
looking at the fan theories in general, you know, I prefer that this I prefer it to be an ambiguous ending and just thinking about it in that way as, as do I as a thematic device. And you know, and honestly, if I think about, you know, what I would prefer as as far as who which one of them is the thing or not, I like the idea of neither of them being the thing because th- that even pushes those themes further that, you know, these guys are both human but they still can't even trust each other, you know, yeah. to their last moments. Um, although there's no, not really any evidence to support that one way or the other, but I just, that's kind of the way I tend to think about it. Um, but you know, I do, I do think the fan theories are fun just in the sense of like, you know, this is a movie that really, you know, provokes a lot of conversation and thought after the movie, which is always a good thing. One, you know, I, I always say like, even a movie that I don't like, I, I prefer a movie that I don't like that I have a lot to talk about afterwards than a movie. Yeah, that's just boring. I agree. I mean, there have been. There have been quite a few things I've seen that I wasn't in love with, but they inspired a lot of conversation among me and my friends. And sometimes it actually causes me, I think, to change my mind about something. Whereas something that's more clear cut, if I don't like it, then it's pretty unlikely that I'm going to reverse my opinion. Yeah, exactly. like there's nothing more to dig into about it then, you know. Yeah, so I'm with you on that for sure. So I think that'll probably do us for for this one. Um, we've got uh, a little bit more of the same tomorrow with some other kind of interesting bits thrown in, and the, the actual last last you know live action scene of the movie is in tomorrow's minute. So um, yeah, so I think we'll call this one a day and move on to uh, minute one hundred two. All righty. So, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up Minute 101. But in the meantime, you can check out thethingminute.com for full show notes on every episode, which includes links to anything we talked about and uh, some behind-the-scenes pictures if I can find anything that that, uh, makes sense to add. And, uh, yeah, so check that out and make sure to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. (laughs) 